0: Is my light on? That's right? Yep. Alright, ready?
1: Okay. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we're about to take a drink. No, we just touched the cup, sorry. Oh. <laughs> Clap again.
0: <Okay>. Good.
1: <laughs> I'm Shannon. And I'm Kamani. And this is Drinking with the Blurreds.
0: You said that again.
1: <laughs> oh shit, I did.
0: One more time. <laughs> just go again.
1: Um, you go first. Do you want me to go do the thingy thing and so? things
0: what do you mean, like clap? No. I got it. You got it? I think so. Alright. So I go first?
1: Um I'll I'll go first. You wanna clap? This is Kamani, and this is Jiggy with Blues.
0: Your source for your pop culture, politics, all things nerdy, and the petty. And today we're talking about something that has been weighing on everyone's conscious mind since November of 2016, November 8th of 2016, where
1: oh, we'll keep someone. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't keep track.
0: Well, like use... when it happened—the election of Donald Trump as the quote-unquote president of the United States of America um so today we're going to be talking about what does that mean what does that look like also what it has his policies and just the craziness that's going on down in dc how does that affect everyone Mm -hmm. and um because it's been six seven months this is august yeah we're recording in august early august so damn seven months of craziness um and yeah we want to unpack that so we brought with us someone that's Really attuned to politics, um, like someone I respect dearly, someone I met a long time ago when we were both high school seniors at like a shindig for the top two graduates in Mm Essex County. And I want to thank Rashawn Davis for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Um, So before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, what you study, all that stuff, all that good stuff, you know, the Mm. two-minute speech that they told, that they told you to tell others.
2: Right. Um, so I'll, I'll try to keep it brief, I guess, because we got a lot of stuff to talk about. But um, born and raised uh, in Newark, in Newark, greater Newark area. Um, what a lot of people know me for is uh, right before I graduated from Georgetown, my senior year, I ran for office in Newark. Um, I ran for city council. Um, and what really started is A small race you know we had a few hundred dollars and it was like me and a couple of friends and we said if we're around for three months you know we get to talk about some issues that affect young people then we're good Um, but our campaign really spiraled into like this big uh, really testament to millennial power and, and young people wanting a political voice and so our small campaign that started with $500 in the bank All of a sudden, had twenty five thousand dollars in donations, and so we had to really scale up quickly to figure out how to manage twenty five thousand dollars, and manage a staff, and the manage a campaign office. Um, And I look back at that experience as probably one of uh, just the greatest experiences of my life because it taught me so much. I mean, it was it turned into a year and a half of just rough and tumble politics. It was. the best of times and the worst of times. Anything you can imagine happened, happened. But um, at, at the end of the day, we, what I'm most proud of is we got our message across, right? We galvanized a bunch of 30 and under people from around Newark, which really hadn't been done before. And we talked about the things that affected young people the most. And so you look at a place like Newark, which resembles other surrounding cities like Orange and East Orange, uh, and a third of North's population is under the age of 30, right? So you're talking about almost a hundred thousand people who are under the age of 30. When you think about the main victims and perpetrators of gun violence in Newark, it's young people, right? When you think about uh, the highest, the group with the highest joblessness rate, is young people. When you talk about uh, inequitable education. You're talking about young people, so we have all these paralyzing problems in Newark that intimately affect young people. Um, and yet we have uh, a pool of elected officials, not just in Newark, but statewide, um, that don't really represent that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we tried to do at the very least was say, let's push and let let's let let's let folks know that we need young folks at the table, and so we did that turned into a huge campaign. There were nine people running. Um, the campaign ended in runoff. We ended uh, in fourth place, I believe. Um, and it was really just, you know, one of those most exciting times in my life.
0: You study, what did you study at Georgetown? Uh, government. Okay, so, Makes this, sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> did that did like your education at Georgetown kind of help you, or was it more? It was it different to like learn on the ground and get all that on the ground experience.
2: Um, I think it was like a combination of both, because like I feel like a lot of people at Georgetown study some iteration of like government or mm-hmm. political science, just because mm-hmm. the nature of the school. Um, and I think the benefit of a place like that is that you kind of get to learn the nuances of government, right? And you get to sort of have these theoretical debates about what should be and what ought to be and things like that. And I think that's important, right, to talk about how the world should be, right? I think there's a space for that. But one thing that Georgetown didn't teach me was that when you take that idealism and bring it down to an actionable level, it looks so different, right? Mm. So like these things I was learning, i'm sure you all learned in classrooms these ideals of a better society and you you gravitate to it and you want it but when you try to get out here in these streets and make it actionable and make it bite-sized uh it's difficult and so you know there were a lot of things that i was pushing for like one of our campaign platforms was uh civility right and this was coming at a time where people were fighting in the city council chambers and screaming at each other like and so we were like can we be civil, y'all? Can we, can we have... Can we disagree and still respect one another? Can so, we really talk about this stuff?
1: So, like, you being the youngest... It was pretty historic. You being the youngest and having competition who are much younger, have much more experience, how is... How was that, like... I was the word, like...
0: Like, the fact that he was, like, the youngest to ever run... Like he's the youngest, mm -hmm.
1: but all of the competition was much more older. Like, right, right. Was it much, did you find it kind of difficult to compete with some of these people?
2: Yes, and no. I mean, so our angle was that, you know, we were the only ones in the race who uh, didn't come with all this baggage, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody that was running had been, you know, somehow involved in city hall at one point or just kind of been around for a while. And so what we were saying was, it's time for a fresh voice. Mm -hmm. I've never stepped foot in city hall. I've Mm -hmm. never been anybody's political appointee. I'm complete. I'm going into this completely impartial. Right. And, uh, it went over well with some people didn't go so well with others. I think, um, You know, and and at some points, the campaign kind of devolved into, look at this guy, he's so young. Like, I remember being in a debate, and uh, somebody, like, made a reference to, like, I look like I just uh, finished formula, like, because I was so young. And, yeah.
1: See, people be like, you know, you being young, they're not going to take you as serious. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's just like, okay, now, you're going to take me serious right now. Exactly. (laughs)
2: I'm not gonna lie, it hurt, you know what I mean? I'm like at the table and all I hear is somebody like, Did that brother even finish his formula yet? Wow. And like, whoa. <laughs> Word, that's how we doing it, okay.
0: So how do you respond in a moment like that? How did you like counteract I mean,
2: you those I mean, questions of your yeah, maturity really and your experience? Right. I mean so for, and this is because I was so young; it was my first race, mm-hmm. and you know, admittedly, I was naive to a lot of the stuff. Like my response, I tried to give sort of the high road response, like, you know, please judge me on my ideas, oh. right? And that was not going over, right? And people, and other candidates too, they they leveraged that, right? Like mm-hmm. he, you know, he, you know, he is just kind of in here to be a symbol; he's not really serious, and. You know, people were calling me babyface wow. and, you know, just kind of, you know, like patronizing me a little bit. But it, it is what it is. And I and I feel like there was a good chunk of Norkers who respected what we had to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the reason we finished as high as we right. did, right? Um, but there were some people who just really couldn't wrap their head around the idea of a young person
0: you know yeah, representing an entire
1: world right people being old experienced in exactly. all these yeah. type of positions and things Look, like that it's
0: not and some of them just the quote-unquote career politicians or people that are just used to like this yeah. stability yeah. of being in politics right um
2: and even even it's even like if folks don't see you at their grandmother's chicken dinner or, uh, you know, at at the church on Easter Sunday, then you, it doesn't even matter what your ideas are, right? Like, if I don't see you in, in the streets, if I don't see you at these barbecues and fish fries and mm-hmm. festivals, I don't even want to hear your idea, right?
1: That is true.
0: Yeah, and that's, so what would, I guess we, we're we working differently, this is just fine. Um, how does this help us? understand local politics so I guess the question I want to ask is what was the biggest lesson that this whole experience like running taught you about local politics and why it's so important for more of us to get in it
2: oh man this the campaign taught me so much I mean not just even professionally but personally about myself right and I think one of the main takeaways was humble yourself right Mm. like I think I kind of came in with this mindset like I got all these great ideas and you know I had people from Georgetown who had came, came come up and mm-hmm. kind of was like living here part-time oh, and helping wow. me out and so I, I had this whole team and uh, you know you, you kind of think you're almost unbeatable and then you realize that there's still so much I have to learn like even if you have the ideas and the knowledge if you can't relate to people if you can't meet people where they are, then it almost doesn't matter, right? And so that's why I was saying, like, folks would literally come up to me and say, I didn't see you at this fish ride, or I didn't see you at this festival, right? And at first, I was kind of like, why does that even matter, right? Mm-hmm. But it does kind of matter, right? Because people want to know that you see them as more than just a, vote. a constituency yeah. or a vote. People mm-hmm. want to know that you have a stake in the game. People want to know that. You mm-hmm. live here. You're committed to this community just as much as I am. You're just you're not trying to be some, you know, knight in shining armor, but you're right. one of us, you know. So,
0: um, so I guess we'll come back to discussing how millennials get more involved because I think you brought up a great point of this whole relatability issue, and in the election that was like something that came up to the forefront, especially for like the candidate Hillary Clinton, yeah. like people saying she wasn't relatable, but then people were saying Donald Trump is relatable. So I I guess... (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, people (laughs) said... That's what people were saying. Like, she wasn't relatable and that he was more relatable to some people that voted for him. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: And so we get get this big shock on November 8th, 2016. He gets inaugurated January 20th. And ever since the inauguration to like... What was the latest scandal? What happened today? Mueller was like, oh, he's gonna subpoena something I don't even know by the time this podcast airs like 10,000 new things (laughs) have probably happened Um, but like so much has happened and like there's this question of how do how did this happen Mm -hmm. so for you as someone that's been involved in politics you're also a part of the Essex Young Democrat Essex County Young Democrats yeah Um, Mm -hmm. that has seen like the local organizing that's needed to run Mm -hmm. a campaign or needed to like mobilize people how does it work in terms of, how do you think people are responding on the ground to everything that's going on in Washington?
2: I mean, so From I, your professional opinion. Right. I know that's a kind of a big question, but. Um, It is, and I think people are handling it a different ways, mm-hmm. but I'll be honest with you, I feel like in this moment, so many people are just turned off from politics and government, I mean. Mm-hmm. And not just in the Trump era, but really for the last few years, I mean, Congress has literally done nothing, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, our politics have just been so argumentative and combative. It's like people get exhausted, right? Like, I get exhausted. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to look at the New York Times every day on the front page of some nonsense that has mm-hmm. happened in D.C. And so people just kind of get... Dissuaded by that, and they just want to say like, "All right, I don't even want to deal with this anymore." So a lot of people I know they don't even care. It's like, would let Trump just be you know, the a hole that he is, and forget about it. Um, but the split side to that right is I feel like there are a group of people who are more committed now than ever uh, to local politics. Right. So like, at the end of the day, whether Trump's in office or Obama's in office. The thing that affects you the most are your local elected representatives, mm-hmm. right? Because they they make the real decisions about how money is spent. They make the decisions mm-hmm. about what the priorities are, whose streets get paved. So, like the things that affect you in your day to day, that happens at a municipal level. And so, um, I think people are starting to recognize that. Like, okay, I can't put all my faith in D.C. So. Let me start putting some faith in my city leaders, you know who's running my town or who's running my city, and so you see a lot more people engaged in that realm. I think
0: have you seen like a up well have you seen like an uptick in like young people becoming more i have. not just like on the streets in terms of like protesting and things mm. but like actually attending like meetings or making sure they're in the room, or is this something that we need to improve on um like yeah um
2: I will say that I feel like I've seen more young people insert themselves into the political process, whether that's showing up to a meeting or whether that's protesting. I mean, that's still all a part of the process to me. And if I look today versus two years ago or three years ago, I think I see more people today galvanizing around some of these issues than I've ever seen before, whether it be like immigration, whether Mm -hmm. it be education, whether it be crime, whether it be criminal justice reform, you know, you see more young people kind of galvanizing around that.
0: So I guess okay. What do you think should be our response then on the local because you're saying like you're kind of doing the all politics a local argument? Yeah, which is important. Absolutely, but then there's a lot of things that do come from the federal level that affects like the local politics. So, for instance, the administration threatened to take away federal funds from cities that claim to be sanctuary cities or try to protect or stop ICE from deporting or arresting people. So, how do people on the local level respond to these things that are coming from higher up?
2: That's a good question, and I think like. If you go back to what you were saying about all politics is local, the reason I say that is because it's absolutely true, right? Like if you think who have been the biggest defenders against some of the things that Trump has done, whether it's trying to repeal the Affordable Care Act Mm -hmm. or other things, it's been senators and congresspeople, right? Mm -hmm. And although they're in a national body, they are inherently local, Mm -hmm. right? So my congressman represents Newark you know, Jersey City. You know, there's a handful of towns, right? He represents us at a federal level, but he's still inherently local, Like right? And the same thing with, you know, your senators. I mean, and so even, even if you go on Facebook right now, you'll see people saying, call your congressman, call your senator. To me, that's local engagement, right? It's, it's their jobs to defend us at the federal level. But I think the best thing folks can do right now is really be involved at the local level. When I say local, I mean that's all the folks who are kind of elected in your peripheral, whether it's your city government, your congresspeople, mm-hmm. you know. Your state representatives. Your you're state start, reps. you exactly. start
1: from like the basics right. and then yeah. go up. Exactly. Right.
0: So how would you, in your ideal world, what would be like a plan for building some sort of coalition or some sort of like local powerhouse? to not only provide or get closer to those ideals that you mentioned yeah. earlier, but to counteract some of the things that are coming down the pipe from DC.
2: I, I mean, so...
0: What, 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 okay, what would, using like your experience that you, when you ran, yeah. what were some of the things that you hoped to have accomplished and how, how, what have you changed since then? What would what you have changed looking at things that are happening now? Um... Hmm. I mean, I think
2: coalition building is really important, right? And I, I don't necessarily know how to do that, but, uh, you know, that's, that's sort of the number one question, right? It's how do we build collectively? How do we make sure uh, folks' voices are heard? And I don't really know the answer to that, but...
1: I don't know. I feel like, well, with my, like, experience doing, like... Because I've been to, like, a point where, you know, I've planned out, protests and things of that nature and, and brought people together i feel like the best way of doing it is making sure everyone has some type of access to it everyone can meet at a certain time we could all voice our opinion make sure everyone feels included yeah and do it that way yeah
0: do in yeah. a coalition and i guess i have access to all of us do does everyone have to agree on everything on the record
2: No, not at all. And I don't Mm -hmm. think everyone should agree. But I I think what you said is pivotal, right? Like, the very first step is making this all accessible to people, Mm -hmm. right? Because I feel like you go out here, whether it's Main Street or South Orange Avenue or Clinton Avenue, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, and people they have opinions on what's happening, but they're just like I don't know like where to go, who mm-hmm. to talk to or what, you know what I mean? Or how to even get mm-hmm. started and even, I feel to like,
1: even like run a meeting, like yeah. there's people that have jobs, have kids, and right. make sure the yeah. kids are fine. If they come out, you know, yeah. I'll pick you up and then we'll go
0: to the meeting. Yeah. So well, you're saying something. Hmm? You're saying something? No. <laughs> um no, yeah, I like so I went someone I know gave a talk about coalition building. And one of the big things, going back to the Democratic primaries, and that we're still kind of dealing with this firing squad, or like it even came out yesterday about like, oh, all Democrats don't have to be pro-choice to, in order to be Democrat, right? I think that's was something. So some would argue that that's necessary to build a coalition because you need as many people that, it's better to have someone that votes 75% of the time with you than to have someone that votes never with you. Is that a reliable argument, or do we as more progressive people want people that identify with certain tenets of what we believe in, especially in this moment that we are faced with now?
2: I think, and this is something that I've wrestled with thinking about a lot, right? I I think there is no clear-cut answer to that, because unlike a lot of other countries... The U.S. is not really homogenous, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't, we, we're do not we not defined by one ethnicity or one culture. so many different types of people here mm-hmm. that I think it'll... And I think this is part of the reason both the Republican and Democratic parties are having trouble, is that you cannot create a binary in this country saying you're either red or you're blue. There's just way too many... You know, there are way too many opinions and cultures, you know what I mean, that you can't just split it into two and I think that's finally sort of starting to come to the to the forefront right now, which is the difficulty with Democrats trying to galvanize all their people and even Republicans trying to galvanize all their people, Mm -hmm. is that people aren't defined by red or blue, you know, people people are really defined by individual issues, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm you know I know black people who are technically Democrat, right? But you know may not be pro-choice. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean, and that doesn't necessarily make them a Republican. You know what I mean. So and and it's you know it doesn't also necessarily make them a Democrat. So I I think honestly we have to rethink the two-party system in the long run. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, So are you one of the people that's advocating like a third party, multiple parties? What do you think about that?
2: I don't even know if it's like a third. I don't even know, man. I'm, I'm waiting. Destroy for Destroy the two parties. Like, I'm um, waiting for ideas. Would you
1: think Bernie Sand? That's Bernie Sanders would be kind of like an example. Although he ran as a Democrat, he mm-hmm. was a person who was independent. Right. Would exactly. he be like someone who kind of came out there pushing that
2: barrier? That's what I'm. Yeah, exactly. Like if you look at Bernie Sanders' campaign he was he was a democratic candidate but everything he was moving on was issue based like mm-hmm. he was talking about specific things like mm-hmm. raising the minimum wage you know affordable health care he was his campaign was not run necessarily in the part in the 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 normal party way it was mm-hmm. more run on here are the issues that I feel strongly about right and one of the big things that got him in trouble is is uh gun control, right? Because he's from Vermont, right? right? A hunting state. And so his thoughts on gun control were a lot different than other Democrats. And so that's what I'm saying. You can't... It's going to be... It's, as the country is more and more diverse, it's going to get harder and harder to have these... Just these two binaries. You're either this or you're that. You know what I mean?
0: And I think it's important that you mentioned it because today the governor of West Virginia didn't announce that he's switching from a Democrat to a Republican. And we know that one of the senators is Joe Manchin, right? That's his name. Yeah. Um, who's a Democrat, but he sides with Republicans a lot in some Senate. Yeah. It's only like recently with like Trump and everything that he's been siding more with Democrats on certain mm-hmm. issues. But I think that brings up like the point that like it's not necessarily so clear cut. Um, so how did we then? Is this like do we need like a whole reeducation? For everyone mm-hmm. because it seems like if you look online mm-hmm. people are expecting like no you're supposed to be like this or you're supposed to be like this you have people you have all the trouble cory booker got into earlier when he voted against the amendment that bernie sanders put forward and everything <laughs> so yeah like what i was saying like cory booker got in a lot of trouble early in january because people like oh he voted like against yeah. bernie sanders amendment but like he's from jersey and oh. jersey's very big farmer. so when he did it i was like of course that happened and then, like, there was other stuff about him voting for another amendment later on that day. So, in this whole discussion of the nuances of politics, do you think more people need like a civic education, or is that something that needs to be prioritized, yeah. or do we just need a different understanding of how local politics works, where so it informs our understanding of national politics?
1: I feel like if you put a, a meaning to like a word. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is going to agree with it mm-hmm. in the first place. So, like, you could define a Republican, but not everybody is going to re- agree. So it's just like,
2: where where are you going to win in that kind of situation?
0: Yeah. So what what do we do?
2: And I don't know if it's I don't know if we honestly if if there's enough bandwidth to re- be rethinking the the party system mm-hmm. to be honest with you, but. I think if we start shifting towards talking about the issues, like what, like what would so, that look like? So if I if there's a candidate and I say, hmm, they lay out what their five instead of just saying like oh, I'm a Democrat, you know, mm-hmm. I believe in progressive ideals and things like that. If you say, here are the five issues I'm thinking about, you know, gun control, uh, universal health care, uh, universal basic income. And here are my positions on all those issues, and I say, okay, I agree with three of three of your positions, but not the other two. You know what I mean? I think Mm -hmm. people should be having that kind of mindset. Like, I feel like a lot of what happens now is like, I vote Democrat. That's what I do. You know what I mean? Versus, I agree on these issues, right, and not these issues. And so, I just think we need to get to a point where and I know candidates say this all the time, let's talk about the issues, but I mean, literally, like, let's talk about the issues, you know?
0: So let's delve deeper. Like, the primary was a big, the Democratic primary, was a big, like, competition between, like, the traditional, some would say corporatist, neoliberal Clinton, Mm -hmm. versus the outsider, more Democratic socialist, Bernie Sanders. Both of their supporters say they talked more about the issues. One of their supporters got more of the, the primary votes, so where was the where what is the disconnect between that whole debate in terms of like because if people say oh if you looked at clinton's website mm-hmm. she had all her issues spelled out and like the policies he would enact people said that bernie's issues hit straight to the core and met yeah. more with the like what people were looking for and needed to hear right but then again bernie lost the south clinton won the south bernie did in and he Took Michigan when Clinton thought she had it, yeah. And the breast belt, which kind of was like a harbinger of things to come for the, the fall. So how, like, let's how do these issues, the, the problem with issues, or talking about issues, affect candidates or affect how people understand American politics?
2: Um, I mean, I think like you're hitting upon a good point, but I I just think like in the last election. Folks were bringing up issues like in a very general way, like I believe in universal, like, I believe in universal healthcare, or I believe in better gun control. Just kind of use more like thematic answers like mm-hmm. that, versus this is this. These are my specific details on this issue, right? Like, I you know I believe in you know whatever universal healthcare, but this is how I plan. You know there weren't a lot of. There wasn't a lot of discussion around the details, I think. And I think as we move forward, that's what's going to have to happen. We're going to have to start talking about the details of the issues. Because if we don't, all these candidates are going to be impossible to differentiate between. Like, they they all stand mm-hmm. for progressive values, right? Like, mm-hmm. how am I supposed to choose between any of them? Like, they all pretty much are saying, like, the same thing. You know what I mean? So the only way to really differentiators if we start talking about the
0: details Mm -hmm. okay I agree with that you know so what would be taking all of that on the other side you have the Republicans who are in control like they are like how many houses away from being able to call a constitutional convention Um, and like amend the constitution to Africa but I think that's something right
2: yeah, I don't know, but I'm not I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: like they do have all three branches of government and we've seen them struggle even within themselves to get their legislation through or get like their ideas through. So do you think that also kinda goes to what you were saying earlier about like the differences in terms of local communities?
2: Rephrase that for me. Yeah, no problem,
0: my bad. Do you <laughs> think because certain senators in certain locations mm that they're more vulnerable and made it harder for certain Republican legislation coming from the administration to get passed based on the communities that, rep- that are coming from those areas. No, I don't know if that makes sense. Um,
2: Are you saying... Are you asking if, like, Republicans are more engaged with their local communities or less engaged with their local communities?
0: Maybe. <laughs> Is because the one would say that Republicans should be able to pass anything right now. Okay. And we've seen that the repeal of the Affordable Care Act mm-hmm. has been stopped on multiple times. Right. Not because they don't have the votes based on just Republicans. Right. But because Republicans have defected, be, whether they're I forgot like Collins and Murkowski mm-hmm. I don't know I forgot right, where right, they're right, from. Right, right. But do you think where they're from plays a role in why these certain legislation? haven't been able to pass because people are yeah. calling them I, and, and petitioning them saying like uh, if you yeah. don't vote against this and like if you vote to take away my health care I'm gonna vote you out
2: and and that is the perfect example of why all politics is local right because the reason I mean this, this repeal of the Affordable Care Act thing it the interesting thing is like you had people from Republican community saying, nah, I want my health care. Like, let's, you know, the realization came that this is not just something that affects Democrats or people Mm -hmm. in blue states, but people who voted Republican, people who vote Republican care about their health care too, right? And not everybody who votes Republican has the money for private insurance, right? Mm -hmm. So even folks who are technically red, benefited from the Affordable Care Act. And I remember the New York Times, I think it was the New York Times, they had some studies showing, like, you know, the amount of Republicans who have, you know, who are under the Affordable Care Act. But it shows you, like, at the end of the day, a lot of these issues aren't necessarily red or blue that it, people can't be defined into these binaries, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, that's what happened. Like, all these all these, Senate, these Republican senators who said, I can't vote for this, that came straight from their people who are saying, mm-hmm. do not take away my health care, mm-hmm. period.
0: And it even kind of explains why places like liberal places like New Jersey would have a governor for eight years like Christie, or places would get, like, Republican governors right. that are seen as, like, always progressive and blue. Exactly. Um, exactly. So that's a, I think that's a great point. So, like,
1: I, what about the people that have Obamacare but didn't know that it was Obamacare? Like, I think that's just so hilarious. Oh, like, yeah. Didn't they have like a it's sketch so, on
2: that? It is like, so against it, but you <laughs> on, on it. SNL. Yeah, it was one like, What do you think of uh, the Affordable Care Act? And then they were like, Oh, I think yeah, it was you know like, it's good. And they're like, What do you think of Obamacare? I'm oh,
0: like, I hate it. Obamacare. <laughs> well, it does show one thing I think Republicans have done really well. Is galvanizing their base with regardless of how just like despicable their tactics are, how do progressive-minded people be, or people that are interested in the well-being of everyone, mm-hmm. let's put it like that, how do we galvanize people? Like you were t- talking about the issues, but like is it talking about the issues enough to get people to the polls to vote for you? You were someone that ran, and worked in a campaign. You're, right. you're, you're I still the president? I was, the,
2: sorry, I'm no longer the president. Well, you were president. involved. How do we
0: galvanize people to go to the polls and vote for these issues? Because I can right. even tell you, like, in Orange, mm. like, getting people to come out to vote, even in a mayoral year, it's like pulling teeth. Mm. Um, the mayoral election right. can be determined by, like, a 1000 something out votes in the city of 30,000-plus. Right.
2: And, I mean, this, the, I mean, relatively, the same is true for Newark, right? Like, there are... Probably 100,000 plus eligible voters, but you know, you can probably win a mayoral election in Newark with 30 or 40,000 votes. Um, but I think honestly, man, I think it has less to do with I think people care about the issues, right? I think people, especially at a local level, if you, you know people care, they want more, you know, they want more police or they mm-hmm. want crime down or you know, they want better schools. People care about those issues. I think where we lose people is that the folks who are running don't engage them or they aren't interested in those people. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of where our campaign came from this idea of like how do we get fresh faces in this process, right? Mm-hmm. Because if it's the same people, the same systems over and over again, of course people are going to be disengaged that's like if I was in school it's like having the same teacher from Mm -hmm. you know Mm 4th to 12th grade Mm -hmm. like the content could be great what you're teaching could be great but I just I don't want to see you from 4th grade to senior year of high school Mm -hmm. you know what Mm -hmm. I mean and so that happens and not just in Essex County but all across the country that happens like we get the same kinds of people running for office (laughs) over and over again
1: I think what's also part of that is language. Like, okay. some people don't understand all this political talk. If right. you could just make it really simple for them right. to just get your point across and I could understand it, it's fine. I mean, look right. how Trump won.
2: Right. And that, and, that, and <laughs> right. that is what I'm saying. I mean, we not just that we need fresh faces, but we need different people. You know, we don't always need, like, a lawyer or some, you know, academic professor. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily need those people to represent, especially at the local level. Right. Sometimes at the local level, they don't. the people who know best is Sister Jackson up the street. Right. You know, you give her, you know, a couple million a mm-hmm. year to manage, she could probably feed, make your block a feed whole lot better, You know what right? I'm saying? So, yeah. it, to me, the way we have to think about politics moving forward is... How do we get diversity in our politics, right? I don't want to see, you know, we don't need six lawyers on on the city council, right? Mm-hmm. We need people who bring different perspectives, like community. We need community organizers. We need, you know, other sorts of academics. We need. Um, you know teachers we need different kinds of people because then it becomes relatable to people mm-hmm. right cuz they talk they talk differently and mm-hmm. they, they they connect with people differently you know what i mean so that's kind of my perspective on and
0: it and i am th- glad you brought that up because like a year ago we were at this closed door session with a congressman and oh yeah <laughs> and i brought up the point about how young people feel disengaged because, like, of all the same stuff that you brought up, you did. and it was kind of like, and I was like, we have to. St-. I actually said we have to stop bringing the talented tenth to everything. We had, this was like after you left, I think. Like, we st- have to stop looking just to the talented tenth. Mm-hmm. And the congressman had a problem with me using that term to describe the people that have typically been in politics, yeah. because technically mm-hmm. he considered he's part of the talented tenth if we use that analogy, <laughs> but. Like you're saying, we need people that might be, they might be a widower or someone that's been taking care of kids in the community forever. Mm-hmm. Might be a uh someone who's
2: lived on this block for right. 30 years, right? Right. Mm-hmm. That, to me, they're just as qualified and informed to make decisions than anybody else, because they've been here at ground zero for 30 years.
0: So, what do you say to people that have the kind of very elitist attitude against those type of people? Because you're always going to have those right. like, that are like, oh, they have no education. They have no skills to, they don't know how to balance it. Because this is something that we have come up with in Orange. Yeah. right? I've heard in meetings people like, oh, that person doesn't know what they're doing. They're not smart enough to handle all this. How do we then change the narrative that these people matter to in the political or getting involved in that local politics? Yeah. Do I mean, we just which, do you, shoehorn do you them that's... in? Yeah. So a lot of times you, when you get like people that are super normal, regular folk, yeah. that aren't like the lawyers, doctors, super overqualified people, you have people in the city that are like, oh, I don't trust that person. They're not smart enough to handle these jobs. They can't manage a budget and everything like that. Yeah. So I was just asking, how do we get around that? Do we just shoehorn them in there and support them regardless? Yeah. Or do is this really like a really big threat? that we have because if that's the right. case why do why are all our senators typically people that have had some political experience or anything like that is it like a trope in our society that we only look to people that have an education or that have been in politics because the whole thing that Trump was able to ride was that he wasn't a politician yeah. he wasn't like everybody else he wasn't doing this he was a businessman and he's not as well versed and even when people defend all the craziness that he's doing they're saying like he's not used to this He's not like a tr- traditional Washington politician.
1: Mm-hmm. I think there's no way going around how people think that you need to have an education mm-hmm. or have to have all this type of experience because it's just that—that's just something we're used to seeing. Yeah, you're not used to seeing like you know me and you going up and controlling things because it's just like whoa, like you're yeah. like one of me. Like I don't have that type of power. Like now you got that type of power. Mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't. Like.
2: But that speaks to. I think a deeper problem, mm-hmm. like is, particularly in our communities that this this psyche that, you know, it's gotta be somebody mm-hmm. not from mm-hmm. here who's right who's educated. That's those are the only people who can govern, right? And that's I don't know how we do that and I think like I said, I think that's a much deeper problem that starts probably at a young age, but I think especially in communities that are overwhelmingly black and brown, like Newark and the vicinity, we have to be okay with homegrown talent, right? This idea that, like, such and such from down the street, as long as they have the right ideas, right, the right motivation, the right dedication, why can't they run for office? Why shouldn't they run for office, right? And I, I think the hiccup is not not governing or the ideas. I think the hiccup is in the politics, right? Like a lot of people don't know how to play politics, which is a whole Mm -hmm. different game in itself. Like a lot of people don't know how to run a campaign, right? deliver their message in a way that's bite-sized for people, Mm -hmm. right, or accessible to people. And so Mm -hmm. for me, if we were able to come up with some curriculum or some system to say, this is how you run a campaign, right? Mm if there's some community organizer or somebody's grandma who's been out here doing it for 25 years, you know, I want to help her run a campaign or I want to help her run a campaign um, so that they can be successful. Um, because the other stuff, the other stuff you learn on the job, like everybody right. else. Like, just because right. you're a lawyer doesn't mean you know how to go into a city hall. Right. And down. You know, everybody learns that once they get in there, right. you know what I mean? So.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess so we're wrapping up Um, what is your like we're going to ask for what is your final like key of advice to like millennials specifically black and brown millennials that have an inkling or they want to be more involved like what would you tell them based on everything that you've learned both book wise but like also running a campaign and like being involved in local politics what would you advise them
2: I would say do your homework, right? Like, that's the first thing. Know what the issues are and, and don't run purely on passion, right? Mm. Do your homework, read, research, see what the issues were, see what the landscape is, and then build a team, right? Surround yourself with, and this is not just a political thing, but in any aspect of whatever you're into, surround yourself with like minded people who are going to push you, who are going to uh inspire you surround yourself with smarter people who are going to give you good ideas um and then lastly be bold right like anytime you do something like this you have to be bold right because there are going to be people who just say don't do it you know there are people who are going to discourage you every step of the way but you have to be bold in yourself and you have to be bold in your actions and say you know i don't care what people say Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm gonna see this through um and that's easier said than done, right? Like, I think when you're in it, it's kind of easy to get, let people get into your ear. Right. But that's why you surround yourself with the right people and say, all right, we're going to stick together. And no matter what, we're going to see this through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and more often than not, you'll be successful if you follow that,
0: I think. Thanks so much, Rashawn, for coming down here. I really appreciate it. I feel like I've learned a lot just from you talking about this.
1: um. I got one more question. Would you ever see yourself running for like a position again?
2: Uh, I think so. I mean, I think it's something I go back and forth on. I mean, public service is kind of my passion. So I would like to, um, but like anything else, it's I want to, whatever I get into, I want to affect change. Mm. So I want to be able to get into a space where I'm actually doing things that make a difference, and I'm actually in a position that gives me, you know, the influence to do that. And so I don't, it, you know, it's all about time and place. So if the right opportunity comes, you know, hopefully. But
0: yeah. All right. Awesome. Thanks again. Thank so before we you. end, we typically end our shows by asking for recommendations for our audience, anything that you think they should read, watch, do, anything. So what have, what is like music they should listen to? What do you have any recommend? We can go first. I mean, oh, good. well you can go, oh since you're excited, go ahead. I, I,
1: I, I go first, my recommendation.
2: I don't know. Oh, well, go first.
0: I want you to go first, I want to hear No, 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 you go first, you're our guest. Um, yeah. I
2: would say music wise, uh, I've listened to Jay-Z's 444, that's kind of been on repeat. Um, in my crib. Book-wise, ooh, I just finished uh, The Warmth of Other Suns. I don't know.
0: It's about The Great Migration? Yeah, that's okay. a
2: great book, something that I've been reading, and it, it doesn't necessarily speak to politics directly, mm-hmm. but it speaks to this idea of uh, just pushing forward and being fortuitous, right? Like, life is hard, and Trying to reach your goals is difficult, but you got to keep pushing. Um, Sorry about that. And uh, for all of you who, uh, well, this is blurred, right? So it's black nerds. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't be ashamed, but. No, go ahead. Um, no Colson shame. Whitehead's The Intuitionist mm. um, is a book that I'm, I'm working working through right now. When was
0: this one published? Um, that's a
2: few years old. This is his first one? Yeah. No, no. Yeah, that's his first book. So okay. So I think that's maybe a decade old. A decade oh, old, there. But, Um, But I wanted to go back and see some of his earlier stuff. Have you read
0: The Underground? I yeah. haven't read The Underground maybe. yet. I'm, I need to read that. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I'm reading and listening to uh, right now. So I, my recommendations for this week, August Town by Kai Miller. He's a author out of Jamaica. He wrote about this town in St. Andrew. And it's, like, this really good, awesome, surreal, like, day in a life of this small community. Um, And it takes place in the 1980s. And I would actually pair that. This is, like, an older two other books that I read. Um, One is called Here Comes the Sun, I think. It came out last year. And the other one is Brief History of Seven Killings. And they talk about, like, Jamaican politics or, like, Jamaican society. And I thought they were really great. But this August Town was, like, a really great one for this year. Um, Music. I don't know. I'm really into. After I went to Ghana, <laughs> I've really been into like Afro pop and like Ghanaian like dancehall. So going to Afro punk. <laughs> are you gonna be gone? I don't know. When is it? The last week of August, that thing. Mm-hmm. I think. uh I might be gone. I leave <laughs> the twenty eighth <28th> for London.
1: How
0: much are the tickets? Uh, I want to say like thirty five, but I could be completely. But that's like a date that. That's like one day. No, it's like a weekend, right? It's like so the 35 I I for the entire crisis weekend.
1: Prices for different days, and then it's like the weekend
0: and Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know. And and I it's New York, I remember, so. Very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, very true. Well, if you, <laughs> I might go. I haven't been at before. I've never been to one of those festival things, so maybe. If I'm still here. It's so long just performing. Oh, she, she is. is.
2: Mm-hmm. I might definitely have to go then. All right. There's a bunch
1: of people performing. I like cool. Um, I don't remember but it's like
0: bliss <laughs> yeah it always seems like fun mm. so well again Rashawn thanks so much for coming by and sharing your wisdom I feel like thank y'all for so, having me no, oh yeah well we gotta appreciate appreciated No yeah thanks so much we gotta support our own and thanks to all our listeners for today again you can find us online at we have a blog com. find us on Facebook drinkingwithblurds Follow us on Twitter at drinking W um, and stay up to do stay up to date about anything that's coming up down the pipe. Follow our blog channel, it's gonna be posting some stuff and on that page you're gonna be posting like a weekly playlist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thanks and we can't wait to hear from or talk to you guys later.